So with Adopt Project, uh, we work with organisations to help them find out what they need and support them with technology solutions, always with technology as an enabler, not the end solution. Uh, my name is Kat, uh, my background is in international development and progressively over the last few years I've been working in the tech space, which is where I met Annie. Yeah, so my name's Annie and my background is predominantly in uh, in the kind of commercial tech space, I guess, for 20 years or so, which makes me age. I'm going to have to try and make that sound less. Um, <laughs> but, you know, from, for many years, and I guess more recently, really wanting to kind of shift my focus onto kind of more what I would call meaningful work, which has a kind of real impact so hence the the kind of involvement with the dot project and so the purpose of these podcasts are really to we, we meet so many inspiring people through our day-to-day work um particularly a lot of women doing amazing work within technology but also um you know leading social enterprises and non-profits and also in the commercial sector as well and we just think that every time we have a conversation with someone there's always something that you learn and an interesting story and so our podcast is really around sharing those stories and understanding what motivates people and why they do what they do enjoy hi this is annie from the doc project and here in auckland new zealand together with sonia crosby who is the head of information initiatives at the bank of new zealand and now Sonia and I worked together many years ago, so um, it's great to have you you here, Sonia. And you're part of our, our podcast series, which is around women, in, particularly women in tech, and sharing stories of inspirations and motivations. So great to have you here. Hi, Annie. <laughs> You've got in a quite a noisy background, so we'll excuse the coffee machine yeah. that you all might hear. Isn't it great how good people sort of reconnect over the years. Um, so my current role is the Head of Information Initiatives at the Bank of New Zealand and I'm just in there in my seventh week so it's relatively new and what I'm looking at is how we accelerate benefits across the ecosystem through um, use of technologies um, and also around um, thinking differently about what we do. So that um, is everything from how we uh, understand our customers but also then how do we actually deliver those benefits um, through all of the operational side of what we do. Um, Prior to that I was Chief Innovation Officer at Sky City um, looking at um, how do we drive new um, value um, into the business in core adjacent and breakthrough markets. So thinking about um, how do we drive new commercial streams of revenue that are sustainable across time. Can you just explain what Sky, because a lot of people yeah. might know, not know okay. how big Sky City is and what it actually does. Yeah, sure. So Sky City um, is uh, traditionally known as a casino group, but actually they're in, they're in entertainment and they run um, hotels, theatres, bowling alleys. Uh, big tower. Quite an, big tower in New Zealand. <laughs> if you come to New Zealand, about 85% of all visitors go up the tower and jump off I and think. jump off it yes. of, uh, walking around the top yeah. <laughs> and uh, we have quite a number of signature restaurants we run actually five properties across New Zealand and Australia and so traditionally it's been um, a uh, casino based business where the, the core of their revenue has come from those um, those operations but the opportunity for me was to come in and think about how do you take the business in a different direction if you're venue based and yet digital is really changing the way that people think about entertainment so my role was to look at the future of entertainment and to introduce um, the future of entertainment into the business as a commercial oh, opportunity okay. 
And so um, to do that, I've had to have a think about, well, what is entertainment for people? How is entertainment um, now manifesting itself, given that digital is really changing the face of entertainment? If you think about Netflix, if you think about um, how people sort of, how entertainment in the home is so much better than it's ever been, and you can order up food with Uber Eats, and um, so why do people go out, and what types of things are changing in the way that... um, people engage with entertainment and then the other part of it is around tourism so yeah um, that connection to New Zealand and who are who are our tourist potential and what kinds of experiences are they looking for and how can we use uh, technology to actually help support that whether it be in uh, translation support or helping helping smooth the experience in terms of even understanding what opportunities there are how do you build special moments into experiences because we know the money can't buy memories of the things that people come for. What would be an example of that? Because I know when yeah. we were chatting about yeah. what you've been doing, there was a big yeah. focus on um, the Chinese market, mm. tourism market here. Mm. What would be an example of, I guess, the type of innovation, digital innovation around a sort of tourist experience? Mm. Yes, so uh, an example of that is around the free and independent traveller. So there's um, a large, growing, wealthy, young professionals um, traveller group within China who um, tend not to plan. Um, they, they use social media a lot to figure out where they're going to go. Um, they might have booked the first night or not. Um, so how they actually find their information and how we engage with things like um, WeChat and um, the, the sub apps that sit inside WeChat for starters um, within that community and then secondly how do we actually support the booking experience, planning booking experience, working with partners, you can't do it on your own, you need to be working with the airlines and with the airports um, and then uh, you know unfortunately in New Zealand we've we've sort of been competing with each other in the tourist space instead of joining up and complementing each other because if you think logically about somebody's travel experience they're not going to go to one place alone they're actually going to go and see it within New Zealand yeah yeah and actually what we found um, was the majority of our free and independent Chinese travelers visit both New Zealand and Australia in the same visit and so to join up and complement um, activities say in the Barossa Valley um, as well as going to the Hobbit Town in New Zealand and think and, oh, and going awesome. up the tower yeah. means that you need a relationship with multiple partners and you need um, simple ways of payment and booking um, and simple ways of um, helping to uh, reflect you, you, you want to give them a taste of New Zealand culture but in a Chinese way yeah, so yeah. That, that involves everything from um, how people are greeted um, the, um, the expectation of a dining experience um, simple things like menus um, how they actually find and read um, but actually what is that experience um, through to understanding that also uh, the large majority are carrying out business while they're here so what are the connections and communities and how can we use it's like a fully connected yeah. experience yeah. Yep. so you're creating an e- a digital ecosystem yeah. that is a digital ecosystem of support to support that experience to happen I seamlessly yeah. yeah and mobile's massive so yeah. if you can't do it through your mobile phone then you're kind of missing uh, the opportunity. Yeah. This is really, yeah. I could say, exciting yeah. types of projects, but also really complicated. Um, mm. So tell us a little bit about um, your journey, I guess, in terms of your digital roles and experience to kind of get to the point that you're at now, because it's very, I mean, what we're talking about is quite kind of cutting edge in mm. terms of innovation. 
um, but also kind of your background into this type of how you've got to where you are today. Yes, so <laughs> it's always a roundabout journey, we know that. It is, and in fact, if you look at my CV, you go, what was she thinking? And, um, you know, I came up through, uh, through school uh, without maths, uh, without any tech, um, and um, learnt to type on a manual typewriter, so don't let that sort of make you think how old I am. But um, when, you, uh, when I went into the workforce, the thing that really... Um, I always thought I was going to be a writer or a filmmaker because I love people and I love ideas. And so regardless of my career path, those are the two things that have actually always been there and have always been my passion point and so I followed that into marketing um, as a first sort of I suppose if you thought career functional specialties I went into marketing first um, and worked at Saatchi's and got a really good um, brand background um, understood you know you work quite hard in places like that to understand the customer because that's where the gold is and if you then follow the customer journey it naturally takes you into digital because that's what they're using so you you can't ignore it so um, I went from uh, actually went into media um, following my marketing career into production um, and got into the back end of television um, and other media forms and then um, went off for a little hiatus and, and, and decided look there's no point in being in the narrow piece of support you actually need in the business to be in the business to affect change. So, um, people, information, and commercial opportunities mean that you go into the business side to actually try and help drive the business and drive the business decision. And so, more latterly, what I've been doing is, is working in larger corporates, helping with transformation and change, using again people and information to help. So, digital to me and technologies are just an enabler, they're just one of my toolkits. Um, and that toolkit complements the people piece. But I think that so, you, um, I remember from working with you before, yeah, that you also yeah. have, you're able to get quite detailed technically, and particularly from a data perspective as well. Mm. Is that yeah. an area that you've just kind of become familiar with through the roles that you've done? Or do you yeah. think that you need to have a specific background to be able to do that? No, because data is just people. Um, it's shown differently. It's just patterns. So um, I actually went from um, from uh, a role at New Zealand Post was where I started to discover my data side was um, setting up a, uh, a Greenfields um, business to help grow direct mail of all things. And through that process, I was engaging with industry stakeholders to say, why aren't you doing more of this? And they said, well, because we don't have data and we don't have the capability. And I thought, great. So we set up a data and capability piece um, from, from that learning, and that was kind of my introduction yeah, into the use of data. I was invited to um, be the managing director of DataMine, which meant that I was absolutely thrown into the cauldron of big, deep, big data for banks and supermarkets and airlines and you name it. And yeah, well, the thing is, um, I have never, uh, well, actually, I have done a little bit of coding only when I've done a couple of overnighters where my team have said, you might as well help us and taught me a little bit of code. But um, my my skill set that I bring to this is really the business and people context, asking the right questions of the data. So you can have analysts and coders coming up the gazoozy, but if you can't convert it into um, something that's meaningful that you can actually do something with, 
um, then you're you're either not asking the right questions of it or you're not actually getting action at the other end and it becomes a useful, interesting report that you can't act on. So, you know, you, you don't need to be technical to work in tech. Yeah, that's the good. That's a good message. Yeah, I'd be interested to. You've obviously done a lot of different types of roles, and I'm interested to ask you about what you think is your sort of greatest achievement, whether it's in your in your work or not. But I think you always you always kind of really focus on that kind of people first piece, and I wonder if there's something that in your experience that you've seen where really that championing that kind of people first and that human bit within the kind of tech sector and within quite often very technical projects or roles where you've kind of seen that kind of really flourish where you get the people a bit right yeah I don't know um, it's a bit like any team sport if you've ever played a team sport um, you, you, you can't have all the same together and get a great result you actually have different skill sets that need to work together well and um, I had a, um, a conversation with a chap who um, actually worked um, with the Wallabies and he said, we don't even have to like each other, we just need to know that when we pass the ball, they're going to do the right thing with it. Oh, that's and um, yeah. so the magic happens when you get a team that actually understands that and so that diversity and inclusion of And com- comfortable yeah. with yeah. being... Yeah, diverse to each other. Yeah, yeah, and actually understanding that that's important yeah. and accepting that that's really important. So I love bringing uh, very different groups of people together and, and creating magic. That that for me is a big but part that's, of my people. Thing. That's not easy. Yeah, well, I think it, it's easier when you have clarity of direction because most people come to work to do a good job and they've got their different passion points and if you understand their motivation and their sweet spot, what they're really, really good at and then you put a bunch of people who are really, really good at different things together and you give them uh, a vision to shoot for, just watch them go. They will self-organise and get there. You don't need to be micromanaging people like that. Yeah. Um, and in fact, you it's find empowering. that they they find ways to cross the divide when they're all shooting for the same thing and they realise they need each other and so that that clarity and just making sure that the vision stays uh, at the forefront, you don't need the how, you need the vision and um, that's how I've pretty well done it. Um, You asked me about something I'm really proud of and um, the thing that came to mind is um, when my husband and I first met, um, we started sailing and um, I was going to extract this yeah, no. you, even if you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Firstly, we had to learn, because uh, neither of us knew how, and so getting on and off the marina. on a, So we bought a boat and didn't know how to sail it, basically, and uh, on and off the marina and then out and in about a gazillion times. If anyone's ever done um, yachts and, and marinas and currents and things, it's quite a nightmare until you get comfortable, and you just do it over and over and over again and practice until you get it right. Then we circumnavigated small islands in the vicinity of, you know, a couple of hundred yards and then um, moved out and eventually went offshore. And I think one of my biggest achievements, um, coming coming from a family where control and security and um, tradition and um, structure were really um, kind of what I grew up with. I think my biggest achievement was letting go and letting go mid-career just to go off on a sailing trip to to no particular destination uh, with no particular future in mind was actually a really big step. And for how long? Um, So we went uh, we went for a year, which turned into 14 years, <laughs> um, and we worked in between. But actually, uh, I have never been so motivated and passionate about oh. the roles I did as actually when you've got the freedom. What, when so, you, 
um, Lee's passionate home. about the roles that you were doing whilst you were living. Whilst off we were the living off the boat, okay. and actually since then too, because. And when you find you follow your passion and we were on the boat so it's kind of like we're doing things because we wanted to not because we were in that must have a house must have a this must have the next material thing must have kids by now must have you know all of those liberated yourself all of those rules went out the window and when I was going into business opportunities um, in Sydney and Brisbane I was speaking my mind and speaking my heart and I was being promoted <laughs> and uh, I thought well there must be a secret source here which is um, just just you know be authentic and yeah, follow what that. you're passionate about but how and you'll um, be successful but you're not so, living on a boat now no. and so do you still find that you're able to just because you spent that time liberating yourself if you like and following your passions yeah. that you still feel that you can really have that yeah. as part of your work now I don't think I could work any other way now um, because it's me authentically doing what I'm good at leadership. yeah and um, I don't I, I uh, actually you know that the downside of that is you do tend to break the mold and some businesses aren't ready for that so that has um, naturally taken me into transformation roles where businesses oh, are ready for change what a connection what inspired you to to do to kind of go and do the, the living on a boat kind of experience um, was there someone or something that happened uh, yeah uh, ooh, it's an interesting one I don't think there was one particular thing um, except uh, a desire for something else you know I think a lot of people have that maybe inside them where they're not they push they, it down they, yeah, yeah and they push it down and they leave it there and and if if being true to yourself is and as you discover later actually I love that piece of um, learning about new places and people and behaviors and motivations and all those things uh, and you know the boat was just a way of getting there um, and um, my husband loves sailing so I had a go and thought oh it's pretty nice <laughs> and um, let's go on an adventure and see what happens we never thought it would change the way we live and the way that you are yeah. and the way yeah. that you approach your work now you've yeah. got a daughter um, would you encourage do you think you'll encourage your daughter into uh, the sort of technology kind of mm. sector or roles what's um, your view of allow it I guess instilling mm. in her the authenticity that you now bring to the work that you do is that um, she and I have Scarlett and I have quite a few conversations about this actually um, it's not about her going into uh, and in fact I was talking uh, with a government minister yesterday about exactly the same thing it's not about going into a technology stream it's about technology being threaded through everything you do and so for example if she wants to be an artist um, then she's going to need to understand how she can embrace technology in that in that form. If she wants to be a fashion designer, she's going to need to understand fashion technology. If she wants to be an entrepreneur, she's going to need to understand how to leverage technology. If she wants to be a lawyer, then she's going to have to think about how she can employ AI. So. Um, Every conversation we have, and you know, she might want to be a marine biologist. Well, there's a lot of technology involved there. So, to me, it's like speaking English. You actually need to have uh, 
you, you need to know enough to know what it can do and you need and, and as I see it I think there's a lot of people who can do the technical components of it but there's not a lot of people who are actually seeing the application of it and working with tech companies I see a lot of solutions without problems yeah. and um, to try and channel that goodness and that capability into things that really matter and can actually impact change is, is, is a bit of a passion point now. Yeah, I very rarely hear people talk about it like you just did in terms of actually looking at how the tech, tech is part yeah. of everything. I mean, it's actually yeah. quite difficult yeah. talking about the tech sector because yeah. like, what is it to actually mean? So to inspire the next generation and see that there's no yeah. difference. Yeah, so I say yeah. to her, what, what, what impact do you want to have on the world? That's the conversation we have. We say, what, well, do, you want to want to, what, do, you, what impact do you want to have on the world? And then you go from there and you say, what's the toolkit you need there for? And um, if that is the toolkit you need, you're going to have tech in there somewhere. And so that has actually, actually I'm really, I've got to say I'm a really proud mum because she's gone from being an English and arts um, major to her favourite subject now is maths. Wow. And um, she's starting to see that that's, that's actually useful. She said, yeah. oh, it's got nice rules around it, Mum. It's kind of, you know, it's kind of straightforward, whereas the art and the English you have it's to really put creative into. to have yeah. led and, her through that. Yeah, and if you can bring STEAM together with the arts and all the rest, then I think you're, you're creating quite well-rounded yeah. people who um, don't have to be um, in a in an engineering stream, for example, they can actually impact the world by using all of that capability. Amazing. Yeah. Um, And so where do you, uh, obviously you're newly into your role at BNZ, but just in terms of, not not role specifically, but if you look into maybe five years from now, in terms of the impact on the world that you want to have or on the kind of tech sector, if you like, in New Zealand, what would that be? Uh, I'm a big fan of collaboration. And uh, problem half, you know, problem halved is a problem halfway there to solving. And um, I just see too many people trying to uh, operate in their little silos and become famous in a silo. And I just, if I do nothing else but try and help break that down, break down that thinking into let's team up. Uh, let's team up and do some magic. Instead of it being my own team, what if we had a New Zealand team doing that? How much more powerful would we be if we let go of our need to um, control and own and have power and think about impact that we could have if we joined up? Um, Stop competing with each other. Start collaborating with each other. Um, Bits and pockets of it are happening, but it's still quite disconnected groups, and I can see... In my mind, I can see a web, a really strong web forming. Where can you visualise um, that? Yeah, I can yeah, see that wow. happening because there's so many pockets, but they just don't connect to yeah. each other in a meaningful way, um, and and it's not into active working yet. So if you imagine a web, and then you start to see the like the electrodes going firing through it all over the place, yeah. that'd be like just one massive brain doing yeah. stuff, but actually having the arms and legs as well. So you're in the perfect position to help enable that. So we will definitely be keeping in touch <laughs> over the next five years to see how that kind yeah. of evolves. And Sonia has been hugely helpful um, in getting us connected to really exciting people as part of our launch of Tech for Good New Zealand. Um, and really does see kind of, I guess, that ecosystem and the different people that are within that that make things happen. Um, so it's amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time to share that story with us. No, you're welcome. You know, the universe provides and we're all meant to connect (laughs) up, I think. (laughs) Fabulous. Thank you.
This is Annie and Kat from Dot Project and just reflecting on an amazing conversation um, earlier actually in the year with um, Sonia Crosby in New Zealand um, who works at the Bank of New Zealand and obviously Kat you weren't with me so um, if you list, you've obviously listened to, to our, my chat and just wondered what you thought, just your first thoughts because it was an incredible conversation. Really incredible, very inspiring, feel really motivated after hearing Sonia and understanding her core passion and sort of where she now finds herself after this amazing adventure on her boat and what that has kind of led her to realise in terms of the idea that she will only now ever work in a situation where she can be authentic and follow her passion and how powerful that is, not just for her as an individual, but also for the businesses and the people that she works with and her family as well. Just think kind of her whole journey is very inspiring but I think particularly she talked a lot about this passion point as a kind of phrase and it feels to me a little bit through that through my conversation with Sonia that that a lot of that wasn't really discovered until she actually broke away from what I guess is kind of considered to be a normal career path or well, certainly back when she did it yeah it was a lot harder to do and particularly with without a plan and without a guaranteed sort of income yeah what do you think about that? Do you think that's the only way that you can find? Because that's really daunting for a lot of people and a lot of yeah. people don't want to do that. Yeah. I, yeah, it's a really interesting question actually because I feel that you don't really know your limits until you push them. And a lot of people that I suppose ask me about our journey and what we've done, I don't think, you know, I can't say that I've done anything as impressive as Sonia, but actually taking the leap to decide to do things differently is very scary no matter how brave you are and there's a lot of people that I've spoken to who said I could never do what you do or I could never leave everything and and go and so I think actually on an everyday basis it's about understanding that you can continue to grow your confidence and understand the world around you whether that be in a very tiny geographic like proximity or whether it's to do with the people that you engage with and kind of thinking about doing things differently even on a small scale because I yeah. think that's how you can grow your own understanding of yourself I don't yeah. think it matters um kind of how big your impact is it it's more about how you as a person how happy are you feeling and I think sometimes people hold themselves back from allowing them to understand what truly makes them feel happy because yeah. they want to be secure. And I understand that it's scary. And, I, and obviously we all face that. But I think it's important to remember that actually all the constructs that we live in, they're all developed by people that aren't us, usually. But I think certainly back to your point earlier, how once you identify what that is and you try to live by your passion point, that you are naturally authentic yeah um, and that you're coming particularly in Sonia's case and and where we try to make sure that we are at all times as well as that kind of authentic leadership um and I think it was interesting because she talked around how she manages teams and about that kind of vision to shoot for and aligning everybody which I thought actually obviously is perfectly um synced into our earlier podcast and with Regina uh -huh, that yeah. we did in Zambia, which is around shooting your shot and always 
you know, aiming for something that's very visionary and very high that allows you to all kind of align at a particular level. Yeah. Um, so certainly that kind of authentic leadership, I think, is something we hear a lot more about and it's not something that you can learn. It's just being true to yourself that means yeah. you're in a in a place where you're following your desires but you're and what you're passionate about, but what also you feel naturally good at. Yeah. And I think we can say what we've done quite recently, even with our own business, is actually go through all the work that we've done over the last couple of years and say, actually, where do we feel that we were strongest in terms of our skills? And it feels that you're in such a more um, purposeful place, an authentic place, when you can stay true to that. Absolutely, definitely. Yeah. And I think what was very interesting about Sonia's discussion was that she was talking at quite a high level in terms of that vision piece and what she's learned almost as a look back in terms of her journey to now. But then she was also talking very practically about the type of data that she deals with and, and is kind of thinking about on a day-to-day basis. And I really like what she said about actually the value and the beauty of data is that it's about understanding people and patterns. Yeah. So I was wondering if that kind of made you think anything about kind of what we do and what we hope to do with our business. Yeah, I mean... I've known Sonia for for several years as well and obviously that's kind of I guess why we got on with each other when we first met because actually we are very kind of people centric in terms of just love the kind of idea of collaborating and working with other people and actually her journey is really interesting because we're coming at it from a similar point where it's also my passion is around people and and ideas but how her journey then took her into the sort of marketing area because that's obviously then where she started to look at customer journeys and really yeah. understanding and empathizing with people yeah that then led into more of a sort of production and then got deeper in a way and got deeper into that kind of because Sonia is superbly strong in terms of her knowledge around sort of data um and I think that's obviously a place that we feel passionate about in terms of dot project and what we like to look at which is around areas for you know helping to build communities of practice and where finding opportunities for collaboration between organizations and initiatives and that comes from a place of really being able to to feel passionate about the power of connecting people yeah and i think her example of the 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 travelers and the work that she's done in engaging chinese travelers in particular with new zealand and australia is such a beautiful example (laughs) of that collaboration and understanding what those people actually want and expect but also she she got that completely with obviously one of the reasons what I was doing when I was out in New Zealand was looking at um, creating a tech for good New Zealand kind of community I suppose Um, and Sonia became very central to that because she could a bit like we do I suppose here or certainly as a more natural skill set is seeing where there are people who could be connected to each other um, and so she was very um, helpful in terms of getting the momentum going on that network and yeah. connecting me to some very interesting and diverse communities um, to kind of get that conversation going. Um, it's just worth touching on, I think, the interesting piece around, obviously you talked a lot about her daughter, but I think what's more important around that conversation that we were having around her daughter is how technology is sort of crucial to to every context and how she she's kind of guided I guess her her daughter and, and it very aligns to I think how we like to work with organizations as well is looking at what impact do you want to have yeah in with her daughter what impact do you want to have on the world what's the toolkit that you're going to need to do that and then how is tech and, and irrelevant to that context yeah absolutely <laughs> it's such a beautiful example of 
of how, as people, it's just not relevant anymore to think about a life without technology. So whatever it is that you want to achieve and what is your passion, the consideration of how you need to understand technology in that context is quite key. It doesn't mean that you're actually going to have maybe a deep technical role or really have anything to do with technology necessarily, but it's actually about understanding how does your passion fit in with the way that the world operates. And yeah. that's always going to be technology yeah. moving forward. Yeah, and that's where I think it's there's going to be a point where we're not even going to talk about technology, surely. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> really, because it's just about our way of working and what we do. Yeah. yeah. And I think maybe a point to finish on is the is that broader piece on maybe the future is actually where we start to talk about collaboration more, but also a word that I don't think we use too often and maybe we should, which was um, where you can complement other organisations and actually maybe that's where the collaboration is strongest, where actually what you're doing is complementing another organisation or network. So maybe the conversation about tech starts to talk more about or this is what I would hope it starts to talk more about how can we collaborate to have more impact and I think again just to finish that what's been really nice about our conversation and the conversation with Sonia is that it's about um it's about people and technology and that actually there's a space for everybody yeah in whatever you're doing in whatever role you have it's not about working technology it's about being a technical person it's also about people and about how people interact with each other. And in many many cases, what we're just talking about are the tools, the tech tools that actually enable that communication and collaboration. Um, so it's as, as long as there's a desire there around connection and communication. Yeah, absolutely. There's a role and an opportunity. Yeah. Um, it's a shame she's so far away in New Zealand, but there no. you go. We've got digital tools to connect. Yeah, we might be able to sail. <laughs> she could sail to us. Yeah, it's perfect. And... <laughs> um, Thank you very much. This is Annie and Kat from Dot Project.